Hi, this is Jeffrey Aaron, and welcome to an early November Flying Talkers. We're glad you're here. Seems like right now, as we look at the scheme around the world, nothing going on. Quiet. The deathly ush. Maybe it's just before the holidays. Maybe it's right after that little spurt of trade shows we've had. But it seems to be that it's very quiet. Numbers are still off on international flying, unacceptably off on international flying, but there is some better work going on domestically, both in Europe and around the world in America and some other places. Up north in Canada, from where we are in New York City, we were told, quote, we're thrilled to implement important technology for Air Canada Cargo and we're excited about the role it's going to play in advancing the industry toward digitization of processes and indeed our business as a whole. That from Matt Casey, Senior Director Global Sales and Revenue Optimization as Canada's largest airline went live with its air cargo application programming interface API solution. Plenty of enhanced benefits as the solution takes off to make shipping easier with a schedule of additional APIs ahead waiting in the wings for 2022. Quote, our API benefits Air Canada Cargo's valued customers who increasingly will be able to take advantage of the many benefits the solution provides, Matt said. API in a nutshell streamlines manual interactions and don't we need more of that, such as quoting, booking, scheduling, and track and trace requests by improving connectivity of several different systems and processes to offer an enhanced booking flow. By being directly integrated with Air Canada Cargo, Matt said, customers are able to reduce the amount of time taken to complete a booking or airway bill. And that's improved efficiency and don't we need plenty of that. So more information is www.aircanadacargo.com. And as a slight postscript, isn't it interesting that the exciting news in North America in terms of the future of air cargo seems to be right up there with Air Canada putting on freighters in just a very few short months. An aggressive new approach and a renaissance of the Canadian airline. We go all the way back to a time when Mike Scullion was the cargo manager here in New York. And wherever you are, Mike, uh, I'm sure you're looking down or you're somewhere retired. We hope you're still around. Looking at all of this with some great pleasure. Welcome, Air Canada Cargo. And welcome to you, to our flying talkers today. We're glad you're here. Stay tuned for more right after this. Flying Talkers podcast brought to you today by your friends at Pay Cargo, the better way to pay and to save time and money. You see, Pay Cargo has a better idea. By simplifying the payment process to more than 3,000 vendors, cargo moves faster. Pay Cargo saves you time and money by expediting important data and funds to ensure 
rapid release of your cargo. Maybe best of all, you get the time to build your business assured that the Pay Cargo team is with you, providing trackable, tangible results every step of the way. So why wonder why most shipments in the Pay Cargo system get released in as little as one hour? Go to www.paycargo.com and explore a whole new way to pay and get paid. PayCargo offers flexible payment options and also available credit lines. And as the number one online platform in the world for cargo payments, www.paycargo.com can offer you a level of service, financial expertise, and connectivity that makes it easy to ship, click, and pay. So go to www.paycargo.com and get the rest of the story. Discover how PayCargo simplifies a better way to pay and get paid. And tell them Flying Talkers sent you. That's www.paycargo.com. Great people to do business with. And now, images of air cargo in a crystal ball. It was perhaps inevitable that air cargo came back down a little closer to the ground right now after the swift and dramatic growth of air freight importance since the start of the pandemic. For a while, air cargo enjoyed celebrity as the new glamour industry. But now air cargo has attracted an assortment of crystal ball gazers, mostly men whose official positions presumably endow them with the rare gift of prediction. Personally, I prefer to maintain a relative sobriety. For Roman augurs and haruspices, the relationship with the gods was fundamental. Before undertaking any activity, public or private, consulting gods, wishing consent was considered normal and prudent. The signs through which the gods manifested their will were many. Divination was precisely the art of interpreting these signs. The oldest divination was the observance of the flight of birds, as was practiced by the augurs, who interpreted their appearance, flight, and disappearance as a precise language expressing the auspicia, i.e. the odds concerning a certain activity. For our own purposes, we shall limit ourselves to this kind of fortune-telling without entering the more audacious environment of harassment. So let's stick to flying and interpreting the signs of what flies through the sky. In our case, birds will not be mentioned but we all know that birds are not only the customers in the sky, don't we ever. Clearly Icarus is the mythical incarnation of man's dream of flying high above the land where he was supposed to be stuck. This is precisely the type which floats in the minds of each and every aviation professional. Hence, other than Flying in your own body, flying passengers, seems to be the natural goal of homo velocitis. Other than for magicians, such as Happy Potter, flying objects 
rather than humans has never been so powerfully awesome. In our dreams, we dream about flying ourselves, hardly about making cartons and pallets fly. Yet air cargo has made our life possible and even enjoyable in the last hundred years. Mostly overlooked, the air cargo business has made globalization possible, allowing millions, if not billions, to emerge from poverty by connecting the four corners of the earth in trade. Air cargo has also made it possible for humanity to narrowly escape one of the greatest challenges in recent times, the pandemic, in the hopes we hope the worst is over by now. But getting back on our trail, the early flush of the industry's impressive advances with vaccines and other deliverables gave expectations still riding high in some quarters. Passengers were stuck at home, no chance or intention to move, surely no desire to book a cheap haul packed in a cabin like canned sardines. Out of its closet there came the air cargo superhero who blew away the mothballs from rows of parked aircraft with a single breath when the rest of the airline fleet was grounded, the deliverables and air cargo pumping traffic just as all else was failing with ports blocked and ocean rates through the roof, truck drivers and dock workers few and far between, when everything was coming to a standstill. In a way, our only hope for many months was the cargo hero. After all, everything that flies can carry cargo in the mad rush to queue to convert aircraft into freighters. That was the call of the moment. We all saw the photos of cartons comfortably seated in the cabin. So why shouldn't some well-regarded personality emboldened by air cargo growth rates and statistics get all of us swept up in the tide of spreading enthusiasm while projecting a phenomenal growth for air freight? That's, that's what it is. That's what it is when the augers come into action computer says no. Today, where passenger seats have had cargo strapped to them for the past 18 months, those cabins are being dusted off and the coffee makers are being plugged back in for the return of passengers and the reawaking of action on the ground is once again the bars and lounges are open throughout the airports. As November unfolds, several of those A380s everybody was calling goners a couple of months ago are creeping back into airline schedules. Not to say that they're not pushing the air cargo business, but you know, what it is is what it is. So we wonder about the soothsayers of air cargo's splendid future. In addition to perhaps giving good sooth, Truth be told otherwise, most of these people don't really know what's going to happen. Well, neither do we. This being said, we take a guess. Cargo will not be treated as its intrinsic value suggests. 2020 was probably just a flash in the pan, and the uphill struggle of cargo to get on board, and I mean capital B-O-A-R-D, may not be quite finished just yet. Just like industry watchers of the past, e.g. in 1948, when Berlin Airlift saved the city of two million during the Soviet blockade, most air cargo people only guessing and hoping for the best will not be lifted to the front of the stage anymore this year. 
If all we can talk about in air cargo is digitalization, continuing the conversation in 2022, like we haven't been talking about the air cargo paperwork jungle for 40 years, perhaps we're missing the point. Somebody should understand that cargo does not have legs and digitizing cargo will not give it legs to run with. You need real cooperative effort to lift the goods to the sky. Or try magic. Also lately, there have been a lot of success stories with graphics of big, wide, toothpaste grins shining out from cargo executive faces portraying their success. But you look at all these grand pictures and read the text and imagine that something has changed. Cargo people at the airlines are elevated to positions of respect as recognized key to the fortunes of their respective companies. Air cargo today, to hear some people talk about it in some quarters, can be described as brimming with the success of the past year and a half. But it's all too beautiful to be true. Dearest, step back. Take a deep breath. Do realize we've heard this song before. We heard it in 1948. We heard it in 1973. And many other times in particular when the Suez Canal was stuck for one reason or another. And now we're hearing it again in 2021. Don't get us wrong. We're 100% positive for air cargo. But we remember that history is also the great teacher. Icarus will come again to our airline minds, fly so high, so close to the sun to make it impossible to see the next passenger crisis. Somebody in 1952 asked C.R. Smith, the founder of American Airlines, what would happen with air cargo. Smith, who'd been an officer serving in the Air Transport Command, ATC, watching the military during World War II. Smith also predicted that 10 years from 1952 that, quote, maybe one-third of American Airlines business would be in cargo. He told that to Dick Malkin, our editor, for many, many years here. Well, you know what? That was not an achievable prediction, but it did give a lot of cheer to the entire air cargo community. Well, in 1952, the augers, looking at how airplanes were flying, were still thinking passengers would grow faster. So there you go. I'll have more in just a moment. <laughs> Flying Talkers 2021, brought to you today by the people of ATC. From Frankfurt, Germany to the world, with offices open everywhere, ATC is the reliable general services and sales agent, GSSA, for top-rated customer satisfaction. If your airline is delivering service excellence, chances are ATC represents them somewhere. There's no secret sauce here. ATC's extraordinary expertise and service ethic harkens back to a time when results-driven cargo executives were the product of a lifetime of best practices and great training. So contact ATC, One World, One Great Air Cargo GSSA. ATC Aviation can be contacted at atc.aviation.com and tell them Flying Talker sent you. That's atc-aviation.com.
We're back. So now we fast forward to 2021. Once again, we see a lot of that sky-high enthusiasm that we quoted the esteemed Mr. Smith. We see a lot of that enthusiasm going on right now. But you know what? We asked the DG of IATA, Willie Walsh, for some nuts and bolts specifics at the last two major gatherings of IATA, CNS and the World Cargo Symposium. It was a very simple nuts and bolts question, a specific, will top air cargo people be added to the IATA board? Seems like a pretty simple question to answer directly without dancing around on the head of a pin. And his response, by the way, which clearly was not get lost by any means, he's very, very gracious and a very nice man apparently, but it also wasn't very enlightening. Since IATA is the association serving the airlines, we can assume the position of the airlines is by and large endorsed here. IATA's augers do not advance air cargo, apparently. No wonder anyone who has ambition and expectations in flying sooner or later decides to take a nosedive into other areas of the airline business. At times, even into other areas of endeavor, period. Most distressing is to witness almost the mass exodus of vital key air cargo staff from the ranks of carriers. That just makes me sick. Even though air cargo is carrying the water for these companies for the past 18 months, it's out the door. Take your time, pack it in. That's what we're doing as a carrier. Does that make any sense? The answer, we think, is cutting staff in pieces. If you're always thinking passenger, your mentality will always result in good people of air cargo being swept away. I guess thinking about these things, what concerns me most feels like the loss of great expectations, the apparent short-sightedness going on here right now. We are losing lots of key people on air cargo positions throughout the industry while business booms. Where are the engineers of air cargo who are primed and ready to spring into future action with ideas that would allow an even greater future for air cargo? All these smiling gents that are standing up there right now are either packing it in and moving away from the business eventually or even sooner than later. And how are we going to allow to repeat a greater future for air cargo? Throughout my 50 years on this beat, I've seen the loss of great inventive companies with brilliant core people like German Air Cargo, Seaboard World, Flying Tigers, all these for various reasons. So what is happening today is not all that new. But when I think of all the great people in Air Cargo, the dreamers and the doers over the years, and where we might be today and could be tomorrow, if my hope is we will not have to look back on this time thinking once again you don't know what you've got until you lose it get them on board this is Jeffrey Arendt Maybe as a postscript to our recording today, I should say maybe all the years of air cargo being in the background or being the stepchild of passenger has given us kind of an inferiority complex. 
I mean, we have leaders basically don't lead. They run their own little fiefdoms or their own little companies. And yeah, it comes back to a conference or something. It's not there. It's just commercial customers and the leaders talking to the customers. Who's talking to the business? You know, if you look at these sessions that we run, all those IATA sessions were all set up deals. Either software people by the tons, got nothing against software people, but an airline conference that doesn't have too many airlines and a lot of software people is like a one-way street. My point is taken. The larger view is where are our leaders or some people that are going to come forward uh, and, you know, and take the bull by the horns and be leaders. Where's the dynamic leadership at CNS that they had with uh, Mike White? Anybody know who the guy is running CNS? I assume it's a guy at this point. Maybe it's somebody else. I don't know. As far as it can could have been the Holy Ghost for all I know. My point is, look, we are an industry that's surrounded by other people that don't necessarily care about us. They complain like hell when they're on the airplanes. They complain in the airports. They do all kinds of things to exact downward pressure on the business itself. And so now we have a breakthrough in air cargo and the passenger guys are going to call the shots and the big money guys are going to pull the strings. We know that. So what can we do? I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's a bit frustrating while we're taking bows and all the rest of it. Why, why are we not doing more to further the industry, to work on behalf of keeping our key people and not letting them fall into this jumble box? Well, because everybody that's got 16.2 years in, we have to cut this, we have to cut that. Just, I've never could rationalize that in my mind. I guess, uh, you know, as a small time publisher, uh, we must have missed something along the way. Uh, I was thinking about about the, the woke and, and the active and all the rest of it. And so while we were sleeping, you know, or surviving, there's a reality check that shows there are a lot of people, as I just mentioned, that don't, you know, don't want airports. Just forget about airlines. They want to get rid of the airports. And you think that's gone away? Think again. The uh, Commune de Notre Dame des Landes wants to run a new airport, see? And guess what? Geraldo dos Santos, a lecturer in global history at the University of Potsdam, is declaring the anti-airport movement has gone global. Late last month, just two weeks before the start of that United Nations Climate Change Conference in Glasgow, an unusual organization commemorated its fifth anniversary. Stay Grounded. Stay Grounded is a group founded in 2016, international activist network of more than 170 small protest movements from around the globe. Through mutual support and exchange of experiences, Dos Santos says, quote, we hope to inspire and guide collaboration around the shared goal that brings its members together namely reducing aviation and its negative impact, Dos Santos said. So in the years since Stay Grounded started work, it's made the case for seeing anti-airport social movements as a truly global phenomenon. From Peru to Uganda to the United States and India, these disparate groups of citizens have organized against the environmental and local impacts of airport land development. 
Stay Grounded's research has so far investigated 80 airport-related conflicts and identified 300 more for investigation. So far, Dos Santos said, the struggle against airport projects is far from a unified one. But Stay Grounded and groups like it, including the global anti-aerotropolis movement and the UK-based Airport Watch, are actively working to change all of that by building linkage between similar movements. What is notable, DeSanto said, is that we've displayed an ever-growing capacity to unite actors from around the political spectrum. The movement's top-line single goal is a moratorium on airport construction and expansion. What we seek to reduce or prevent is more air traffic emissions from aviation, biodiversity loss and deforestation, noise pollution, real estate and land devaluation, the displacement of indigenous communities, and the endangerment of archaeological sites. Raldo Souza dos Santos notes that for each opponent of airports, however, there's a supporter. Perhaps the most prominent is John Casarda, the founder of an airport development consulting firm called Aerotropolis Business Concepts. In 2006, Casarda drew attention for his promotion of what he calls Aerotropolis's urban development centered around airport. In Cassandra's view, DeSanto said, airports now drive economic development in the same way roads, ports, and railways did in the past, and many others seem to agree. Well, what do you think? Maybe you'd like to write to me and express an opinion. My name is Jeffrey, and you can write to me at aircargonews at mac.com. And if you want to read more of this stuff, then why not? It doesn't hurt to know where it's coming from. The handle at Twitter is at E-S-D-S-A-N-T-O-S. This is Jeffrey Aaron. That's it for our presentation today, and thanks for joining us. Thanks for your time, this time, until next time. This is Jeffrey saying, keep them flying, air cargo. And good night, Joe, wherever you are.